0: So, you had a relationship when you
2: were married? Well, we practice polygamy well, and we're more based in polygyny, where uh, I have multiple wives. For one, I thought you knew already. <laughs> I mean, you saw pictures, you know, of us together.
0: I just didn't understand completely.
2: I went sneaking, and so, you know, cause I know that's exactly where your head went. You was like, what do you mean another relationship? <laughs> but yeah.
0: So, how do you choose is beneficial to the both of y'all.
2: Okay, so I kind of find somebody who I'm interested in, and then I allow them to start building a relationship with Vanessa. Mm -hmm. And providing that they get along, I just kind of let it naturally evolve from there. Emily is starting to become more curious about my lifestyle. She's asking more questions. So in my mind, that's leading me to believe that She's not only, you know, interested in the information, but she's interested in
3: Back, back, back again with another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine, Seeking Sister Wife edition. That's right. Pulling Me Wednesdays. Happy you're here. Let's do it. Um, I guess we have to talk about the Snowden, you know, a little Snowden news roundup um, before we get into things. You guys alerted me to a couple of interviews that one of the former wives did, both on a podcast and on YouTube, and I did listen to the podcast, even though... Many of you know that I think that that particular podcast is very cursed and I don't like the host. We don't have to get into it any more than that, but I did listen to the interview and I found it really, um, enlightening. I don't know, was enlightening the word you would use when you find out some information that's incredibly depressing? Probably not. I don't know what the other word would be, but it was, uh, pretty bad. I mean... (sighs) you know, as a podcaster, even though I think that this woman is a demon, I don't want to um, necessarily take away from the work that they did and the interview that they did. So if you want to hear it in detail, you guys can listen to <sighs> Juicy Scoop. Um, and if not, I will just give like Very light details that won't really take away from the interview. Um, So there was a lady, her name is Ariadna, and she was a sister wife or a potential sister wife prior to, um, with the Snowdens prior to the show airing. So um, this was at a time where she said they were living, initially living in Boston, but had moved down to Atlanta. You know, when we met the couple, they were living in Atlanta at the time. Um, basically, I mean, not to, like, toot my own horn, but, like, toot, toot, beep, beep, their, um, you know, their financial situation is precarious at best, and I think that's, um, putting it in the kindest words. Um, Demetrius is a scammer. Um, they're, you know, like, I, I've been saying, you guys, I've been feeling a lot of horny vibes from all this. these couples, and Ariana basically confirms that, There were extreme horny vibes. There were, there was like a bisexual aspect to it when it came to Ashley, um, you know, something that she was not uh, personally interested in because she's, you know, identifies as a straight and that it just felt like they had initially, they had met prior, she and Ashley had met prior and they didn't get along. So things cooled down. There was a situation in which Ashley reached out to Ariana and said, um, you know, I had a dream about you. And that's how they got into, that's how they all reconnected. So she had not even met Dimitri at that point. And during the, you know, second reconnection or the first reconnection, because that's, that's what re means, Kara. um, They... Uh, That was at the point where she met Dimitri. So there were just a lot of just like really unfortunate things having to do with control and, um, you know, abuse and all sorts of abuse. And it was just very, very sad. It was a very unfortunate situation. It seems like that woman was really taken advantage of and... Like financially, emotionally, psychologically, and just like really awful stuff. Now, I did hear that there was also a YouTube uh, video interview that she did with a gentleman. And um, I guess I would imagine that was, you know, she basically said the whole story over again. Um, the thing that I will, re- that I really want to touch on is that she has claimed to be in contact with both Chrissy Uh, Taylor, and I believe Vanessa, and those three women can't really talk because they have NDAs and, you know, all of that. Um, You know, unfortunately, the restraining order that Chrissy tried to receive was rejected. And basically, Kristaline is in hiding at this point because she doesn't want uh, uh, Demetria to know where she is. Uh, It's really unfortunate. She did also say that, um, answer a question that I had, which was that, uh, crystalline did actually legally marry Dimitri. Um, I'm really troubled by the restraining order of it all. I just feel like the reason why she was not able to secure it is because I guess the courts felt like there was not enough sufficient evidence to grant her that, um, That sucks. That really sucks. And I feel like, you know, so often women who are, or really anybody who are victims of domestic violence or any sort of abuse are, they often feel like the court system and the judicial system is not on their side. And it very much feels that way with crystalline and that makes me feel really sad for her and i kind of feel like i don't really know the ins and outs about like a no contact order or a um, restraining order like i know it varies by state but i just feel like if a person is going to go through the system to try and create a physical or like you know a physical And a no contact barrier between themselves and another person, I feel like it should be much easier to do that. And if you can't, if you feel like there's not sufficient evidence to grant a restraining order, then there should be something else put in place in order for that person to feel secure. Because... You know, I mean, everybody, there's always, like, bad apples in the bunch, right? And there's always going to be a few people who are going to try and take advantage of a system, etc. However, for the vast majority of people, like, they should not have to be victims of a few bad apples' behavior, you know? So, I just wish that she had something else that she felt safe, you know? and that she wasn't in hiding and it just makes me very sad for crystalline because for all intents and purposes it really does seem like she's a very sweet, soft-hearted and kind woman and i i just i really feel for her. Um is that it? Yeah. Um yeah, i think that's it in terms of that. Like i said, y'all can uh, you know, go to the podcast and go to that YouTube. Let me look up that um YouTube person's username um his name is john yates um and with that it's very depressing news let's move on to the actual show i had to say like i was missing large wife i was missing bert i was not missing garrick but i was missing their storyline for sure and it felt like a um you know it felt like something was missing from the episode You know, and we had to be, uh, forced to watch more of King Minion, you you guys know I have a real issue with. Um, so let's start with Tammy and Sophie. (laughs) The the Wenders. Um, I noticed a lot of people saying, I can't believe that people are saying that this, this is like the prestige couple or the couple that people look at in terms of the show and, um you know, think that they're like the couple to admire or whatever the word might be. It's so funny to me how we all get wrapped up in these reality shows. Like, girl, in a, in a, in my right mind, I know that all of these couples are not couples to look up to, but in my reality TV TLC brain or my brain that's tapped into the show, I'm like, yeah, wow, they've really got it all figured out, don't they? (laughs) Oh, I want to say, and this is a great point um, that I, a point on top of the point that I just made is that one thing that Ariadna said is that she joined a, like a Facebook group or some sort of online forum for people who were interested in or actively practicing polygamy, because that was not something that she had done prior to her relationship with the Snowdens. And she said that there were all sorts of people who were, you know, polygamists, People who, like the Winders, it was part of their religious doctrine. People like, you know, like uh, Squeaky and Sidian, Sibian Guy Liner, whatever I call him at any given moment, that are sort of like going with it as it comes. And she said that she found the people who were... Practicing polygamy as part of their doctrine of life were actually a lot more successful than people who were just playing it by ear because they have a stringent set of rules as opposed to people who were just like going with it and making up it as long as they go and like you know the goalpost is always moving and I thought that was really interesting. And I think that might be a lot of why people find the winders to be the most um functional polygamous couple or group family? Family polygamist polygamous family um out of the show is that they actually have a set of rules and guidelines that they're going with unlike you know, failure after failure of the Snowdens and the Clarks who were just like going with it. And, you know, they're like ships with no paddle or whatever the analogy is. <laughs> so even though it's very clear that Colton does not want to meet up with Kimberly, Tammy and Sophie have invited her to come visit anyway. Um, they got COVID tests, but she'll be staying at a hotel nearby. Um, <laughs> I loved Tammy and Sophie uh, making a, a gift basket for Kimberly, which was like two, you know, a uh, regular size shampoo and conditioner bottles. I think there was like uh, some bananas and apples. There was a Utah tourist kind of shirt and like one of those cheesy MLM. Not they're not cheesy, but you know, like a, like a swell bottle, like a water bottle, right? A, a reusable one. Um, Kimberly's only going to be here for two days so I don't know why you bought her what looked like a pretty decently priced like moderately priced full size bottles of shampoo and conditioner. She can't take it with her on the plane and she's only going to be here for two days like you would have just been better off getting her. (laughs) Like, travel size, but, like, nicer stuff. Just go down to the Target, girl. They have Target in Utah, I'm sure. Or the Walmart. They all have a travel section. You know, she could have used that stuff for two days. But, you know what? Whatever. Whatever. Um, Sophie finally acknowledges something that I've been waiting for. That, yeah, Tammy and I are a little bit more excited to meet uh, Kimberly than Colton is. But, ultimately, it's up to him. Because... Uh, they can't have a sister wife that doesn't get along with the husband. Yeah. Thank you, Sophie. So while Kimberly is on her way, everybody's talking about the ground rules and Colton is just like, you just make sure that I'm not alone with her. <laughs> and like they were saying that this was, you know, part of their religious aspect. If they don't leave the husbands alone with the potential sister wife, because, you know, accountability, what have you, that they don't even hold hands and they don't even, you know, they, they're no kissing, no hand holding until a commitment is made. But it felt like, you know, he's just not that into you, girl. And I feel like Make Sure I'm Not Alone with Her was less about their religion in this part and more about the fact that he doesn't like Kimberly. He doesn't like her. And even I can tell. Through the zero emotion and zero um, facial reactions that Colton has, he's not feeling this. Not a, not even a little bit. So, uh, Tammy says, you know, we need to all figure out what it is that we want from this trip because... Kimberly lives in North Carolina. We're in Southern Utah. We need to make sure that this is, like, a really good fit for us because it's not as though we can take the 20-minute drive to go see her. You know, we really have to, like, we're kind of putting all our, you know, uh, full-size shampoo bottles and conditioner and, and bananas in this basket here. Tammy and Sophie do a separate interview together, like, without Colton. And Tammy says... We, our main concern, like, Colton obviously has to have a spark with her. In terms of us, we want to make sure that, like, we have a good thing going here. We want to make sure that Kimberly joining into the situation doesn't ruin the good thing that we've got. And so then we see this slow-mo shot of Kimberly getting out of the car and walking up to the house. And on behalf of the editors... I caught the shade of y'all doing that. Because they really made it seem like, oh, here's this, like, big reveal of Tammy. The first thing we see are, like, her slow motion walking, like, her foot coming out of the car and her walking up the driveway. And she's wearing Tevas, right? (laughs) They're like tivas, but worse. They're like if... Punky Brewster had a, like, Punky Brewster X Tevas. You know what I mean? They were very brightly colored in almost like a tie-dye, just, like, multicolor, brightly neon-colored Tevas. You guys, I'm sorry. I know, like, most of you who listen to this are white, and I am not, and as a black, I just don't like Tivas. I have been to plenty of Methodist summer camps. Maybe I, this is like some sort of PTSD happening from my childhood. But like, I just don't like them. And I understand that, like, they must be comfortable. Sure, but is it worth it? You know? Is it ultimately worth it? That's the question that I always runs through my mind. And to me, it's a no. But it's like no shade to you guys if you like them. But all shade if y'all wear those ones that have the individual toe holes. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> it is not worth it. I don't want to go hiking that bad. I don't. I. No. No. No thank you. Not for me. Hard pass. And then it just kind of gets from, like, worse to worser. Like, I don't understand. Like, essentially, this is your first date with the couple. With the family. It's your first impression. I... I don't understand why she dressed that way. <laughs> I sound like such a snob. But, like, why was she dressed like a tourist? Like, she looks like somebody you would see in the middle of Times Square with um a selfie stick in 2021 and i just it it was the the cutoff jeans it was the the like farmer t-shirt but like not t-shirt like a button down but it was not like a traditional plaid it was like i'm a cool mom plaid that you can get from like a i I don't know like like cole's Like it was a Coles plaid and the hat that said wild child (laughs) and that sad little ponytail girl. What was that? It was almost as if she didn't want them to like her. I was just very confused. Um, uh, Kimberly gives MLM, she gives, um, what kind of MLM do we think that, that Kimberly does? I went to high school with a girl who did the most shocking MLM at all, of all you, cause we all know it's like, you know, uh, tea, some sort of tea that you poop a lot and you're supposed to lose weight or, uh, LuLaRoe. It's usually in the diet or fashion or beauty realm. The girl I went to high school with had a stamp MLM, like creative stamps. not even the stationary, you could just have like a butterfly stamp or, you know, a star stamp. And that was the multi-level marketing scheme. Like it made It Works look like an actual prestige Fortune, Fortune 500 company. Stamps? Girl. I mean, she probably wasted hundreds of dollars on different kinds of stamps in a world that we live in where people are you know we're having to donate to the United States Postal Service she went all in on some whimsical stamps wow that still chills me to the bone just thinking about it um that's what I think Kimberly does she's like a stamp lady We get our first interview with Kimberly and she says, you know, she's been talking to the family for a little bit over a year and she's was so nervous to come to Utah that she almost threw up before meeting them. (laughs) It is very awkward at first. And Kimberly was doing what I do when I just don't really want to talk to people. I am what they call an extroverted introvert, meaning I'm totally fine being around people. I can do it. I, but from what I'm told, extroverts actually are energized by hanging out with people. Whereas like, I am fine. Like the pandemic was like fine by me. Time for me to recharge and be alone. Um, I, uh, so, uh, so what I like to do is like, hopefully there's a dog. Hopefully there's a dog in the space and I can pay attention. Like Kimberly was so focused on Ephraim, who was really cute and smiled at her. Like there's nothing more adorable than when a little baby smiles at you and and their little pacifier falls out of their mouth from how big they're smiling. Adorable. But Kimberly was like me. You just focus on the cutest thing in the room and put your entire attention on that. it was very awkward uh Tammy and Sophie are doing that nod even though nobody's talking of like uh maybe if I just nod it'll make me seem like I'm very chill about this whole situation even though I'm crawling out of my skin and you know Colton's not really helping (laughs) Colton's first question to her I believe was tell me again where North Carolina you live excuse me You've been talking to this woman for over a year with the express intent of potentially getting married to her and to entering a courtship with her. And you don't know what town she lives in. Mm, Okay. (laughs) This is how we know he's not at all interested in her. Like, come on, dude. Come on, dude. So then they interview Colton outside of the house and by himself and he says you know kimberly's really sweet and nice and she's been very friendly and it makes it a lot easier for um me to have conversation with her because you know i tend to be a little bit more quiet and uh the production straight out asks colton are you attracted to her and he pauses for just a second just a skosh and he says you know i don't think we're quite there yet <laughs> So, (laughs) for me, attraction is a lot more than skin deep, but she's beautiful. She's a beautiful woman. And, you know, that's what you say when you're not attracted to somebody. But you're not mean enough to just say it straight out. So, Colton has to go to work. Couldn't take the two days off. He says, it's really difficult for me to get off work. So, you know, even though you're only going to be here for 48 hours, I, I couldn't be bothered. Okay? I don't know what Colton does, but... You know, we all love to work when it's a way to get us out of something else, right? So their plan is they're just gonna have a girls' day during the day while Colton's at work. When he gets off work, they can have a whole day for themselves. And yeah, like I said, Kimberly's only gonna be there for two days. So they've got a lot of work to do. And I feel like Colton's gonna be picking up a couple after extra shifts if you pick up what I'm putting down. Moving on to the Clarks, a.k.a. the Minions, King and Queen Minion. And I feel bad calling Vanessa Queen Minion because she actually seems like a decent person, but it's always like, you know, you are the company you keep. And that man is garbage. So, sorry. Sorry, V. Um, Kayla has managed to break free from them. I mean, oops, sorry. I mean, they broke up with her a few weeks ago. Um... I love that he said that we broke up with her. No, you didn't. She didn't come back to the house, bro. She ghosted y'all. And she finally got tired of you blowing up her phone. So she was like, okay, if you don't get it, then I'm just going to have to break up with you. That's not we broke up with her. That's she broke up with y'all. But okay, I'm gonna let y'all have that. No, I'm not. I just said it. Well, the first scene that we see of King Minion, really the only scene that we see of him, he's working on his car. And you guys, the fun part of these reality shows is that you always have to look for context clues. Particularly on these like TLC or like Wii or Lifetime television shows, there's always something that really gives it away and it pulls into perspective the type of people that we're dealing with. Seeing Minion working in his garage... And seeing that he had a purple BMW. Need I say more? I mean, if he is like completely a purple BMW man. And those wheels, like, what do you call it? Like the wheel, um, the part of the car that's like curved to accommodate the wheel. All of them looked like a lion got to it and was just using that, like, wheel area as his own personal chew toy. Like, I didn't understand how is it that all of your tire areas look like that. But okay, whatever. Whatever. So much more to talk about than that. Um, a friend of theirs named Emily comes over to the house. And of course, another context clue. Emily says, oh, good morning. And he says, grand rising. (laughs) (laughs) Cornball. Cornball. I can't stand a grand rising ass bitch. Oh, what is it that people say for their birthday um, instead of just happy birthday? Happy born day. I hate that. <laughs> I hate happy born day. It, I don't know why, but it just irks me. So grand rising to you, Emily. Uh, King Minion sets it up. Of, like, how do I know this younger white woman? How is this possible? So he claims that they're part of a car club and that they have mutual friends as well. But she comes over in her own BMW. And the reason why she came over, and I'm using quotes in here, is because something was wrong with her car. Now, if you're going to be part of a car club, shouldn't you have just a tertiary understanding of your car? and how it works she seems like you know it just shakes it shakes all the time and my check engine light is on and like i just don't know what's wrong with it you've just been driving on on this with your check engine light on and it's shaking like tickle me elmo and you have no idea what is a car club then if not somebody who knows about the inner workings of a car Y'all just walk, you just drive around and you meet up at the Sonic parking lot with your late model BMWs? Is that what the car club is? I'm confused, but but okay. Her, her, the reason for her being there is because she, I don't know what's going on with my car. I mean, clearly this is just like a manipulated and set up situation to introduce her as a new potential. But I mean, I just felt like they could have done a little bit better. You could have maybe left out the car club aspect of it. Because she knows nothing about cars. Anyway,
0: he, like, he
3: even opens up the hood, and she points to one part of the car, and is like, oh, is that the engine? And he's like, he looks at her like, no, girl, the engine's on the other side of the hood. I don't know. You guys, I I live in New York for a reason. I don't want to deal with cars, but the, you know what I mean? Like, you know, car club. I'm just very confused. Anyway, so... Um, she, I don't, oh God, um, where am I going with this? Okay. So it seems like Emily actually likes to hang out with King Minion and she says in a little interview on her own that the reason why she likes him is because she's able to be goofy around him and not a lot of people see that side of her. Emily is afflicted with that thing of when people don't open their jaws to speak So she kind of sounds like Kanye West in the Through the Wire song. Like, she talks like, just open your mouth, girl. Just open your mouth. Maybe people don't see it because they don't understand what you're saying. Just a thought. Anyway. Um... So he starts the conversation and he says, oh, you know, I heard that you're recently single and, you know, you're on a new chapter in your life. How are you feeling about that? Are you upset? And she says, no, like I'm actually, it's much better that I'm single. And he uses this opportunity to say, you know, I, I just broke up with one of my queens. So, you know, like, you know, it was something that like I really wanted to work, but it was something that you can't force, you know? And it's like, yeah, we know. Yeah, we saw you trying to force this relationship to make Kayla your chambermaid, and it didn't work. Force? I mean, you can say, like, it was something that we couldn't force in your relationship. That's not necessarily a four-letter word, but we we saw King Minion. And his definition of force is not the one, you know, not the one that you would use when you have a healthy relationship. Or even more a healthy breakup. So Emily says, wait, so you had a relationship when you were married? <laughs> and he says, well, yeah, we practice polygamy, but we're actually more based in polygyny, which means that I have multiple wives. And then he says, I, well, I figured you knew that already. Like you've seen pictures of me and all of us together. And Emily is like, well, I didn't really understand completely what was going on. And then she starts inquiring. She's like, "How do you figure out what is beneficial for the both of you guys in terms of a romantic relationship?" And King Minion says, "You know, what I like to do." And this goes back to my point of having a set a, a set forth doctrine as opposed to just playing it by ear is he says, "You know, what I like to do is uh I like to, uh, you know, find somebody that I'm interested in and then I allow them to start building a relationship with Vanessa. Keyword being allow. (laughs) And then he says, provided Vanessa, um, you know, like, and I like this person. I don't know if like, I don't really understand how the rankings work and the royal rankings. Like I know you know, from what I've seen of the crown, you start off as a princess and then you go to a queen. So I don't know if they use the Royal titles when you're just courting somebody, is this a princess? And then when you guys make it official, then she's a queen. Or if she is, I I don't understand, but let's just say he starts off with a princess, right? And he says, you know, if everything is good with Vanessa and, and the princess, He sees where the relationship goes from there. In a confessional, King Minion says, the fact that Emily's asking more and more questions about the situation leads me to believe that she's not just interested in what our situation is, but that she's interested in us. Okay. Okay. I tell you to pat yourself on the back, but I don't think you can with those arms of yours. I don't know if you can. I don't know if he's got the, the full range of motion happening. I really don't know. Um, so King Minion kind of puts her on the spot and he does this like alpha shit that I hate. And you know, I know anyway that his, uh, game, if you can call it that is, I mean, obviously it's wrapped up in misogyny, but also it just feels like the men that you see talking about relationships on like the bad corners of YouTube and the bad parts of Twitter where, these men feel like you the only way to be a man is to be this alpha but alpha really means like being a dickhead and i just all roads led back to him and and how interested emily was in him and it's like okay well she probably was but also let's not toot our own horns too much about this. I'm not sure if your horn works in that purple BMW of yours, but let's try not to toot it. Let's try.
1: How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.
3: So he says, you know, I like to be very straightforward. So um, are you interested in polygamy? Are you asking this for a reason? And then we cut to Emily in a confessional says, you know, I'm, I am interested in polygamy. I've never seen it before. But seeing he and Vanessa, I just feel a little bit more curious about it. I feel like she just wants to be on TV. But okay. So Emily says you know, if I wanted to learn more about polygyny or polygamy, you know, how can we explore that together? And King Minion says, you know, I feel like that's a question that you've been dying to ask me. And I just feel like, ugh, if a man said that to me, I would literally like just <laughs> just close the garage door. If you know what I mean? Um, so you know, I feel like that's a question that you've been dying to ask me, but it's a process because you know, I feel like you're attracted to me. Ugh. Ugh. um, but it goes deeper than just attraction, like she's stupid. Like, yeah, of course she knows it's more a relationship is more than just being attracted to your it whopper looking ass, like, sir, duh." <laughs> I mean, I think Emily's a little goofy, but she's not stupid. Anyway, she's like a whole adult. Anyway, sorry. Let me know. Let me know. Whew. Okay. So um, he then says in his own confessional, you know, Emily and I have always had this sort of flirtatious relationship, but, you know, I never really thought about it more um, than that, but I am interested in her and she's like a, a goofy, happy kind of girl. And that brings out those aspects in me. So he asks if Emily would be interested in going out with uh, him and Vanessa. She says yes. And then in a confessional, King Minion says, you know, if Vanessa, Vanessa and I were in a committed relationship with Kayla for a little over two years. So even though I think it's going to be a little bit strange to date someone new, it's now time that I put my heart back out on the line. I don't know if you have one, but okay. And because me and Vanessa both know... Emily it would be a good way to ease back into dating so are you actually interested in her or are you just trying to dip your like dry cracked toe into the dating pool like are you doing this because you're actually interested in her because then he says look who still got it and it just feels like even more than usual it's really based in ego for him And just knowing that somebody in this world still finds him attractive. Now, that is something that he should be surprised about. I'll give him that. But I just felt like it was so pompous, even for him. And I just have a feeling that he, after he said, uh, looks like somebody still got it. He probably flexed into the camera and like, thank God the production cut that off. You know, God bless editing. You know, the people in the editing bay for for sparing us that gory detail. Anyway, let's move on to... Ooh, uh, Guy Liner and Squeaky. We start off with Sibian saying you know, uh, we started going on to uh, started doing online dating because of COVID. But let's be real, like, we saw that whole uh, low light, not highlight, but low light reel of y'all getting ghosted left and right by people y'all met in real life. So, was it COVID? Or was it you? You know? It's a question for the ages. Um, So they started online dating. They found a lady named Alexandra. She's 30... They describe her as beautiful and a nature like, adventure and tour guide. Um, she lives in Boise, like they do, but they have not met in person yet. And Guy Liner says they've just been talking about all sorts of wonderful things like physics and psychology. And I know that sounds like I'm being very sarcastic, and it's because I am, because I find these people very exhausting and, like... <laughs> As much as I go in on the woo-woo Snowden couple, the Yashays as being like corny, it just feels like guyliner. Really, more guyliner than than Squeaky is like mad corny, and uh, he just seems like he reads a lot of like, uh, like David Foster Wallace, and you know what I mean. It just is like exhausting. He just feels exhausting, right? So Alexandra is not, she's a first time polygamist. She's not familiar with the aspects of it on a real level, but it's something that she's interested in. So they're in the kitchen, Guyliner and Squeaky. Squeaky, of course, is washing dishes and, you know, doing her wifely duties as Guy Liner's, you know, trolling the internet for more half naked, uh, you know, fire breathing women to flirt with. And he was like, oh, are you ready to talk to Alexandra? Are you ready to see her? And Squeaky immediately gets like very giddy and nervous as though this is something that she's also interested in. It's almost like watching two girls at a slumber party like, oh, should we call that guy at school that we think is cute? And, and Squeaky's like, oh my god, like... Do you think it's it's ready? Like, do you think it's time? Do you think we're ready? I, it just felt like very, you know, horny, like I'm saying, like I've been saying. And if, if squeaky is like, you know, a beautiful bisexual butterfly, then so it is. And let it be. And let her flower, let her, um, little, what do you call this? Wings? Let her fly. Let her fly and do it. I just feel like we're not really telling the whole truth with what's going on and I don't know what is going on with TLC for like a lot of reasons, you know, given why they've been in the headlines lately, like that's another conversation that I've been having, you know, y'all can listen to my Duggar special from last week if you want to hear more on that, but I just feel like in this aspect, I don't know that we're getting the whole enchilada when it comes to Squeaky's interests, that's all I'm saying put it out there that's that's just my opinion so they say that they don't really have like hard set rules in terms of how they court or approach somebody but basically guyliner will talk to the woman first and if he's into her then Squeaky will start to join in so they video chat with Alexandra she's somewhere in the forest with her knee kicked up and she kind of looks like Stassi from Mandarpump Pump Rules like if Stassi had really gotten into mushrooms and going to Burning Man. You know what I mean? Like she was pretty. She was pretty. Moving on. <laughs> Squeaky starts by asking Alexandra why she's looking for a polygamous relationship. And Alexandra says, you know, I'm I'm currently on a road trip with my lady friends and, you know, we don't call each other friends. We call each other sisters. And I think that's the kind of connection that I'm looking for. And it's like, well, that's the connection that you already have. So what does this have to do with polygamy, ma'am? Um, then squeaky says that she likes the part of, uh, you know, a polygamy and a sister wife relationship that she likes is that she enjoys sharing. She basically likes, you know, we can talk about, things that we like and things that make us giddy about him or even things that we find annoying. And I, it's like having like a super best friend. So Alexandra says that she's very new to the idea of polygamy. And because of that, she feels like she's going to have to walk herself through a lot of what jealousy means and what it looks like. And squeaky says that she has found like a new and elevated approach to that aspect. She says, to Alexandra you know I was a second wife that's how I entered into this whole situation I had to deal with all of that kind of stuff and how I look at it is like if you find if you were to find out your best friend gets married you're excited for them typically and I try to look at it more like this is my best girlfriend and I'm so happy for her to be with this guy even if this guy is my guy okay Alexandra says that she likes the idea of loving someone so much that she wants to share that person with somebody else. Because it's you know, it's like such the opposite of what our society makes us feel like is right and is a normal relationship. And then Guy Liner says, Yeah, it's kinda like an like an anti-capitalist philosophy, isn't it? And it's like, ugh. Ugh. <sighs> uh, if you don't go like do some spoken word poetry and some lame coffee shop and just leave us the hell alone like no thank you no thank you then alexandra mentions something about carl young and of course guyliner's like oh i love carl young too Ugh, (gasps) kill me (laughs) fortunately guyliner changes the subject to kids and alexandra they ask her if she would like to have kids and her (laughs) answer was so like Oh my god! <laughs> I can just tell that Alexandra has a lot of um, like dream catchers that she makes. She seems like she sells dream catchers, of, you know, outside of Coachella and you know, like feather things. Like she appropriates a lot of you know, indigenous American. Uh, ways of being but really has like never met an indigenous person you know what i mean like she thinks like she probably weaves her own hair into a a dream catcher like that sort of thing i just feel like i don't know like are you just like like how hippie could she be because it seemed like she had a very expensive blonde dye job that's all i'm saying okay anyway um So, she says that in terms of wanting to have kids, you know, I just feel like I could put a lot of effort into being a great mom, but, you know, with me, my lifestyle is always on the go, and I'm just still learning to take care of myself, and I'm in my 30s. (laughs) See, hippies, in my experience, are selfish. (laughs) They think that they can do this, like, free love I fly by the seat of my pants, my dirty pants, and I can live out loud and, you know, I like to stick my head out of a car and like let my hair blow through the, you know, winds of Billings, Montana. But at the end of the day, they're like dickheads and they think that like them being free means that they can just do whatever they want and everybody just has to deal with it. And, you know, because, you know, I don't shave my armpits. So look at me. I'm f- more free and elevated than you because, you know, whatever. It's like, no, you're not. You're an asshole in, you know, a, some wrap that you got from a gift shop in the Bahamas. That That's not the same thing as being free. Okay. Um, so... Then Squeaky asks Alexandra, well, would you have an issue because Sidian has kids, you know? And she says, you know, I know, like, I'm actually great with kids because I used to be a preschool teacher. So then Alexandra says she has to go. And Kyle was like, oh, wait, like, just give us a second. I'm going to put you on mute and we're just going to say. So he puts her on mute on Skype and turns to Squeaky and is like, should I ask her on a date? And she's like, yeah, like, of course so they go off mute and he goes Well, what would you think about getting together for a date and she's like yeah yeah that'd be interesting to like get to know you more in person I can just tell that like they're not each other's type like I don't really know like Sidian is really he like there's just like a lot of rings and and you know Nick's precision, precision eyeliner around his eyes and I don't really think that's her vibe like she gives me a guy who, like, white dreads. You know? A guy who insists on wearing white dreads and, like, does not know how to maintain them at all. And he doesn't, you know, shave his pubes. Like, that seems like more of her type. But she says she's interested. So, okay. So then we see Squeaky uh <laughs> ironing guyliner shirt. And she says, you know, I'm so excited about you know, people might think it's weird but I really like to get him ready for a date and, you know, it's just like part of the excitement for me. It's almost like she treats him like her cool older brother and she's like the little nerdy older sister so she can like kind of be part of the moment even though it's really more of his journey and she just like, it just seems like she wants a sister and she's willing to sacrifice her relationship for that. And I don't I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Um, So she does have reservations. They both do about the fact that, like, Alexandra likes to travel. She's a bit of a wanderlust. And they're like, I don't really know if she has really thought about the fact that we want to have a nuclear family. And he has kids. And so we can't just travel to Portland whenever we feel like it because the kids have to go to school and we have to be at home and they've got those big ass, beautiful dogs. Like I don't think that this is really the life for her. I honestly don't, but he puts on his, you know, Ren Faire vest and he opens the door cause she shows up and all we see is, you know, the light shining from Alexandra's like beautiful, a highly processed blonde hair so we don't see her so that was a bit of a uh, uh, what do you call it a cliffhanger for next week so let's round it up the end of the episode with the Snowdens so we get a lot of screens a lot of screen dialogue from this episode with them and that usually denotes with TLC you know much like you watch a Bravo show like a housewife show and they'll Either put like the time at the bottom of the screen or they'll do like a a flash, f- flash forward and then like a three days before- earlier kind of dot 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 thing. When you see that on TLC, it typically denotes like they're trying to make this the situation, you know, really show us how serious the situation is. So, COVID shutdown production in California, the day after Chrissy and her family or her daughters came to America. So, They were all living in the home as a family of nine, all quarantined up together. The production crew did not get back to the Snowdens for three months. So they have to kind of catch us up on what all happened since production shut down. So Dimitri says, I'll bet that when that stay at home order was announced, all the men in monogamous relationships were terrified that they were going to be stuck with their wives But here I am stuck in a house with three wives and five children. He claims to be happily stuck. More on that later. So Ashley says, you know, the kids, I don't think they're really concerned about the pandemic. Really for them, it's been like, like a sleepover, you know, just like a nonstop sleepover for them. We see them, you know, uh, doing each other's dreads and making popcorn and hula hooping in the house. And Taylor taught them how to do ballet moves and stuff. And it really does seem like they're a lot of fun having a lot of fun. Um So great for them. Not so great for the adults in the home. Um, all the wives, he said, have their own room. And like I said last week, there's five kids in that one room, which is a lot and, Chrissy and Taylor did the 21-day alkaline get-your-pussy-right. Uh, let's all be on the same pH-balanced diet. So at this point, Dimitri has, well, he said, I think he said we've all been intimate. I think you might want to clarify that, Dimitri, but maybe given what we heard from Ariadna, maybe that is the clarification that we needed. Um, he He's banged them all. So production says, well, how does it feel about being... How do you feel about being with three different women? And he's like, oh, you know, uh, what guy is going to say that he doesn't like it? (laughs) Okay, Dimitri. (laughs) So then they finally stop bullshitting us and say, you know, as we got more into the quarantine, everything started to change. Dimitri didn't have the coin that he was claiming to have. And we see... They, the way editing works, like we see conversation with him and Ashley. We see a conversation with Chrissy and Taylor. We see separate uh, conversations with them all. Um, so Dimitri's talking to Ashley and he's basically, he lost all his business. And all the clients he said, reach out to him and said, we don't have any work for you. We're not going to be doing anything moving forward. So he says, We have no money. Like I said last week, did that man consider even... I'm going to give them the credit of saying that he... Okay, clearly he would not have known what the pandemic had in store in terms of his finances. None of us did, right? But even without COVID, I find it. I would put dollars to donuts that he would have been financially outpaced by them anyway, because his household basically doubled, right? So now he says, I'm a broke ass. It seemed like he had lost a good bit of weight. I don't know if their whey protein budget went down. I'm not sure. But basically, Chrissy and uh, Ashley stayed at home to raise the kids while he and Taylor were doing instacart grocery some sort of grocery delivery every day together rough stuff y'all tooth stoof so <laughs> Dmitri then says at that point communication started to break down and stress was at an all-time high for everyone so we uh like like i said back to the scene of ashley and Dimitri talking he says you know i feel like If somebody were to ask Chrissy and Taylor if they were happy, I would be very nervous about their answer. Well, we got the answer. And the answer's no. I felt like that was, like, a really sinister way to say that. Y'all know what I mean? like, I, i saying I would be nervous about their answer. The way he said it means, like, I would be afraid of them telling the truth. You know? Um, So then we see Taylor and Chrissy. They're talking outside. They're sitting on a blanket. And Chrissy tells Taylor, you know, things are a lot harder than I expected. And Taylor laughs and says, well, I'm glad I'm not the only one who thinks that. And then we see uh, Chrissy in a confessional. And she says, you know, in the beginning, everything was fine. But then after a while, everyone was kind of miserable and Between being stuck in the house and Dimitri was struggling, pressures were rising, and Chrissy's like, I kind of felt like, what did I sign up for? Why did I leave everything in South Africa? Why did I give all of that up? Because now it's like I'm stuck here. Yeah, girl. That sucks. (laughs) So then back to Ashley and Dimitri. Ashley says... She's still trying to, like, woo-woo her way out of this, right? And she says, you know, one of the hardest things for me has been trying to understand Taylor. Because when she goes into her room, it kind of feels like she's in her own world. And there will be times where we don't see her. Now, this was a concern that they had been bringing up this whole time of Ashley. The fact that she was independent, didn't have her own children. Would this be too much of a change for her to transition from single and childless to in a home with 50, 11 kids. Right. In a solo interview, Ashley says that Taylor's had a hard time with adjusting. And, you know, she knew that when Taylor came into the house that everybody would have to grow and adjust, but it's been harder for Taylor. And sometimes she feels like it's like pulling teeth with her. So Taylor tells Chrissy That she feels like she and Ashley are a lot alike and it's like they hold up a mirror to each other, but neither of them want to look in the mirror and say, what I'm doing is what you're doing. You know what I mean? Hold
0: up.
3: Um, so then Chrissy says, you know, there's been a lot of tension in the house specifically with Ashley and Taylor. They have a fight almost every single day. Well, she a clash that they clash almost every single day. And Taylor says her biggest challenge has been, like I said, going from zero kids to three kids to five kids all the time. And that's very much not what she's used to. So then Ashley says the real challenge is to see what things are like when the pandemic is over. She says this to Dimitri, we need to see what the, what things are like when the challenges or the pandemic is over. Like, is it going to be as bad as things are now or are things going to be even worse? Then the screen pops up and says a few weeks later, Taylor left to visit family in Texas. She has yet to return. <laughs> So here's what's interesting to me. I felt like they were being a little tricksy with the timeline here because we hear at some point um, <clears throat> Dimitri say, oh, we've been, uh, you know, a couple, we're a couple months into the pandemic and our whole world turned around And then he mentions that Taylor has been gone for six weeks. So if they're only a couple months in, she left six weeks ago, we're talking with maybe three weeks of all of these people playing happy family together. Then a a breakdown. So I'm saying, okay, let me give them three weeks that everybody was under one roof. Things got so bad Chrissy said at one point that it was had been two weeks and there was a fight between Taylor and Ashley every day. So we're talking maybe one week where everything was fine. (laughs) Two weeks where Ashley and Taylor were fighting. And then Taylor was like, oh, um, I'm going to go to my mama's in Texas and then just never came back. Something that is very res- reminiscent of what happened with Vanessa. Didn't she also like say, Oh, I'm going to go back up to Seattle to visit family and then never came back? That's a pattern, y'all. That's a pattern. If two people have left you, lied to you about really their intentions of leaving, and then we're just like, it's not even worth coming back to end this or to even get my personal belongings. <laughs> That's really bad, you guys. The only thing that Ashley is willing to admit is that there was some tension between she and Taylor. And that there was always a breakdown in a communication between them. Like, there were times where the way things were said did not feel good. Or they didn't like what was being said at all. Or they had just completely out iced each other out and weren't speaking. Then Dimitri says, you know, six weeks ago, Taylor told me that she was going to go see her mom. And I told her, that's cool. But is are you leaving because you just want to see your family? Or are you leaving because you need space from this family? And he says, I'm not really sure I ever got the real reason and at the moment, I kind of feel like we're in this purgatory with the relationship. But then he admits that really nobody has spoken to Taylor since she left. Not Chrissy. Not Ashley, certainly. Um, Chrissy says, honestly, Taylor leaving made the whole situation a lot less tense and a lot easier. And we're flowing a lot better. But at the same time, Taylor and I had a relationship and I really loved her and I miss her. So Dimitri gets on video chat with Taylor to figure out what she's doing. And Taylor says that she is uh, has a burgeoning and thriving henna tattoo uh, business in Houston, I believe she said. And, you know, like, I'm just really enjoying the flow of working and, you know, I just really don't see myself coming back anytime soon because I'm really enjoying that flow, you know? Like, probably the flow of uh, not having a bunch of kids climbing up my back, the flow of not having to do Instacart with you every day, the flow of not having Ashley side eye me. And, like, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I, honestly, I don't know. But, <laughs> you know, that sort of vibe. Like, I just felt like, you know, I. Ashley was going a little hard with the bendy to my forehead and I noticed that she was not wearing the bendy when she was on that video chat with Dimitri for sure. Um, Taylor says to be frank I've really found a good flow putting my time and energy into my business and not worrying about the friction at home and then she asks, well Dimitri she kind of puts it back on him like don't do you feel like you've got more peace now with me gone? And Dimitri says, you know, well, the pressure that comes with trying to manage a lot of personnel, trying to manage a lot of personalities. Why are you trying to manage? Okay. Uh, The pressure that comes with trying to manage a lot of personalities is lessened for him. And Taylor says, you know, between the fact that we're in quarantine and we're not in the size of house that we would like to be in right now, things just didn't feel good at home. And then she says, you know, I miss you all very much, but I can't imagine stopping this flow because it feels good and I'm happy. So they're all like not really telling the whole truth. Like really what she should be saying is like, I don't fuck with Ashley and I'm much happier being alone. I know, you know, it's better because I know you're not going to leave Ashley and uh, I'm going to stick with, sick down in Houston but in temporary tattoos on people's hands. Cause like really imagine you being in a, in a serious partnership with somebody, they leave for several weeks. And the, when you do get in contact with them, they're just like, Oh, you know, like I feel like I've got it pretty good here. And like, I just don't see myself coming back. That's not like a healthy relationship. <laughs> it's not really any relationship at all. Just tell the truth. Y'all just tell the truth. Y'all don't fuck with each other. We don't have to, like, light a candle about this. It's okay. Just tell the truth. Um. So, Dimitri says, well, kind of sounds like you want us to keep moving forward with our lives. And you got to do what you got to do. And in a confessional, Dimitri says, you know, I wish that Taylor had reached out and told us this. Because it would have given me the opportunity to repair our relationship. But then he says... If I think hard about it, there's really nox- nothing to fix because this is what she wants. Thank you. Thank you. There was no you uh, being head manager of this uh, situation. She doesn't want to be there. So there is nothing to fix. She's made herself very and abundantly clear. So Dimitri tells Taylor, well, I guess all I need to know is what to do with your stuff. And she's like, oh, you know, just like, just pack my closet and you can send it down. Girl, are you going to be paying for this? Because that man, you know, is working on an Instacart budget and he does not have money to be shipping all your little caftans and sports bras down to Houston. So are you paying? You better hit his vanmo girl. <laughs> so dimitri comes out of the room and ashley's like oh how'd things go and he says well you know i think we should talk about this without the kids so they go to sit down on the couch he and ashley and crystalline and he's like well you know she told me that business was booming for her in houston and ashley asks does taylor want to stay where she is and dimitri says that it was a mutual decision to end the relationship no it wasn't She told you, I'm not coming back. (laughs) That ain't mutual, bro. Okay. So in a confessional, Ashley says, you know, I really like Taylor. No, you don't. No, you don't. (laughs) But she says, you know, I felt like in the beginning we had a really good thing going, but over time it became clear that Taylor had a different concept of how she wanted to live her life. And it wasn't in alignment with how our family was living. Okay. Okay. So Dimitri says he kind of feels bad about ending the relationship without them being involved and being in the room. And it's like, well, you don't need to feel bad because you didn't end the relationship. She did. Do you not remember? Okay. You're really rewriting history here. So, um, he's like, are you okay that I, you know, uh, ended this relationship without y'all knowing and, um, Chrissy says, honestly, I feel a lot more at ease since Taylor's gone. Um, obviously something has been off, but then on her own, Chrissy tells what's really had happened. And she says, you know, Taylor required a lot of attention and Dimitri was the one that she wanted attention from. So monogamy or polygamy was not for Taylor. Even though she had been saying, oh, you know, growing up, I always, you know, all the girls used to be mad at me because I wanted their men and, and, or their boyfriends. And I was like, no, but you can be around too. And it's like, okay, well, that's exactly it. You were, uh, Mrs. Steal Your Man. And you were trying to fake the funk like, oh, it was okay. We can all do this together. No, this was the Taylor show from the beginning. And that's fine. But once you live in somebody, move into somebody's house and are basically raising their kids, that's where the problem is, girl. Because that's not uh, middle school anymore. That's real life. But okay. Taylor really wanted to be the HBIC and it wasn't going to work. And by HBIC, I mean Head, head Bendy in charge here. Um, so then what happens? Um, it God. Um, so then she says that Ashley um, really Ashley and Chrissy didn't really have a whole lot of time with Dimitri. It was always all about Taylor, about what she wanted, about what felt good for her. And even though Taylor understands the concept of polygamy, she doesn't think that she really liked it or truly wanted it. And So Ashley says, you know, I don't really feel like you overstepped any boundaries by ending the relationship without us around. And she says, you know, I always felt like Taylor was acting like she would rather be doing something else when she was around the family. Then Ashley says that her concern with Taylor was Taylor's ability to live a plural lifestyle. And one of the hardest lessons for her this time around was the fact that she knew something wasn't right. She didn't trust her gut. And when you feel that something is right or is not right, you have to lean into that feeling, regardless of how everyone around you might be feeling. So, this maybe goes a little bit back to what Ariadna said in her interview is that she honestly, as much as it seems like she doesn't fuck with Ashley. She says, I feel for her because I feel like she was sort of a prisoner in this relationship and almost like she had Stockholm Syndrome of doing things because she was also an abused woman and she was putting that abuse on the other woman who were entering the home, but she didn't feel like that was really Ashley. She felt like that was an abused woman acting out on other people. So... Then Chrissy says to Dimitri and Ashley, I feel like you guys tried to adjust a lot in order to accommodate Taylor, but it was never enough for her, even though, and even though she likes Taylor, Taylor just wasn't compatible with the family. So then we end the episode in a confessional with Ashley and says, yeah, we rushed into this relationship with Taylor because we believed in the possibility of what could be. But... Um, you know, Dimitri and I have had a lot of trial and error and figuring out what does and doesn't work with a potential sister wife. And even though we're not where we want to be, we don't regret it and what we've done. And we're just moving forward. Ashe. Okay. (laughs) And with that, I'll catch you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank me for speaking.